I am a big believer in sales being an actual empowerment conversation. Because if you're talking to an empowered decision maker who's informed, that's the only person you want to talk to. Right. And I believe a well-structured sales conversation can increase the number of people who are that person. Welcome to the game where we talk about how to get more customers, how to make more per customer, and how to keep them longer, and the many failures and lessons we have learned along the way. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. Welcome back, everybody. This person sitting across from me, he's been on the show before. You guys all went nuts when he was on. But I got to tell you, he's probably the person whose content I share the most on the planet because I think it's that good. Um, I really, really like a lot of people uh, in the business space. I admire and listen to very few. And he has risen up the list for me of the people that I admire and I listen to the most because his content is so good. His message is so good because it's based in actual results and actual experience. My guest today is Alex Hermosi. Welcome back, brother. Thank you for having me and um, such a gracious introduction. I Just to apologize ahead of time to the audience, there's no way I will live up to that, but I'll do my absolute hardest. <laughs> I'll try my hardest. He will. 15 minutes in, he will have exceeded it. <laughs> By the way, he's got a new book out called $100 Million Leads, How to Get Strangers to Want to Buy Your Stuff. And uh, I think it's the book launch. I told you this off camera. I've heard the most about ever. He had a few people participate in it. How many did you have? Tell them. Yeah, we had 500,000 people who uh, signed up for the event. We had just under 200,000 who clicked to join live. Um, the moment we, we launched, it was uh, it was wild. It was a whole city. Um, and I said to him, I said, well, how'd you do it? He go, actually, I did the stuff in the book. Yeah. Give us a couple specifics of what yeah. that means. I'm going to give a little bit more context and I'll give the, the yeah. better answer. So $100 million offers, which is my first book, was an offer about making a proposition to somebody that they would say yes to. So how to make offers so good people feel stupid saying no. And the first question that you need to answer when you're an entrepreneur is, what do I sell? Right? And so mm -hmm. you make an offer. And that's why that was the first book. And so the offer book itself was what I would consider a meta book, as in it both the goal was that I demonstrate the concept while also with the book, while also teaching about it in the book. And so the book itself, I, I premiered it for $1.99 and it came with a course that most people charge $5,000 for. And I gave that away for free and did no paid advertising whatsoever. And it continues to sell 25,000, 30,000 copies a month. <laughs> this month, obviously way more than that because mm -hmm. of the launch and whatnot. But, uh, but it does more every month than it did the month before. And it's still top 100 two years later. Now, the next book answers the next question. So once you have something to sell, then you're like, well, who do I sell it to? Yeah. And so you need leads. And so that was why the second book is $100 million leads. And so leads mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But mm -hmm. most people agree that they're the first thing that you need to have to get new customers. Hello. <laughs> right? right. And so the thing that creates a lead, and when I was trying to go through this book, I was like, what is a lead? And so I had a buddy of mine ask me that question, and mm -hmm. I, I stumbled. For, I was like, you know, a lead. And he was mm -hmm. like, no, what's a lead? Mm -hmm. And so I was like, you know, it's, a, it's someone that you, you know, uh, you get name, phone number, email address. And he's like, okay, um, if someone follows you on Instagram and you can message them, are they a lead? Mm -hmm. I was like, well, yeah, I guess they would be a lead. Mm -hmm. He's like, okay, well, if I subscribe to YouTube, am I a lead then? I was like, no, I, I, get, I guess not. It wouldn't be because I can't, I can't contact you in any way. Mm -hmm. And so we started going through all these things. If, someone, if I knock on someone's door, are they elite, right? And so we started yeah. going through it. And so we come up with a lead is a person you can contact. Okay. Now, from there, you're like, well, there's a lot of people I can contact, which then gave me the conclusion that it, what people say they want is leads, but what they really want are engaged leads, which is a person you can contact, comma, who's shown interested in the stuff you sell. So would you call it a qualified lead? 
that would be the next level. Okay. So, yeah, if you're looking on the lead continuum, you've okay. got unengaged lead, engaged lead, a qualified lead. Okay. And then, yeah, and then you go into customer and whatnot. And so, uh, so th- then the question is, how do you go from an unengaged lead to an engaged lead? And that one, that one flip just from there to there is the entire book. After that point where someone raises their hand and says, I'm interested in your stuff, that is where the book ends. And so I wanted to show people how to get strangers to want to buy their stuff. Not Mm -hmm. to buy it because that would be sales, Mm -hmm. but how to want to buy their stuff. And so in going through this, um, we made two four boxes and this took- It's awesome. A hundred iterations to get here. I was looking at it again last night. It's awesome. It was really hard. Like as crazy as it sounds. I believe it. I came into it with a lot of the preconceived, I was like, what what about earned media? What about owned media? Like I had all Mm -hmm. these, and I had to- deconstruct everything into simply you can talk to people one-on-one and you can talk to people one to many and there are people who know who you are before you talk to them and there are people who don't mm-hmm. and those are the those are the four variables so if you're one-to-one to friendlies that's a warm reach out if you're one-to-one to strangers it's a cold reach out mm-hmm. if you're one to many to friends it's when you post content it's your audience who knows you and if you're doing one to many to people who don't know you it's paid ads Gosh, that's good. Okay. And so those are the only four ways that a person can let other people know about stuff. Mm-hmm. Anything at all. Like if a girl's like, I just slept with six guys, she's advertising what she did. She let people know about it, mm-hmm. right? And so advertising is the process of making known. Mm-hmm. That's how we define it. And so then you're like, well, if those are the only four things that I can do to let other people know about stuff, are those the only four ways to advertise? And so the answer is kind of like yes and no, because the other four are what I call lead getters. And so lead getters are people who let other people know on your behalf. Yes. And so they are where you get the greatest amount of leverage in advertising. Because, Mm -hmm. for example, if I were to say, okay, I'm going to hire uh, a a recruiter who brings me affiliates every month. Mm -hmm. And so I hire one person. So I do whatever amount of work it takes me to hire one person. Mm -hmm. And then I go and I sip my ties on the beach, which we know that's not true, but just for the example. Now, that person works every hour of every day bringing affiliates in. And then those affiliates, then either they do one of the core four. They reach out to their friends, they reach out to strangers, they post content, or they make ads to their audience to tell them about my stuff. Okay. For money, free stuff, or both. That's okay. the incentive. And so that is an example of a lead getter and how one day's work might create zillions of dollars on the back end by just having leverage, getting more for what I put in. And so there are four. The first is customers. So you do the core right. four. I was going to ask you. Yeah, you yeah. do the core four to get a customer. Yeah. Now that customer can then do the core four again mm-hmm. to get you other customers. Do you feel that there's a uh, priority among others? In other words, when you were saying it, I'm yeah. like, customer might be the best oh, one. Oh, yeah, for sure. The reason I would say customer is more important isn't as much about the customer, but about what would make a customer want to refer is typically an exceptional product. And so if you have a better product, like you can incentivize any affiliate if you better put it Better product or money. better experience. Right, okay. exactly. Okay. So I'll, I'll quickly go through the four lead getters and then and then I'll, I'll explain the whole cycle in, in, in total. So you have customers, you have affiliates, which I talked about just a second ago, which looks like a customer referral, mm-hmm. but it's a little different because it's a, it's another business who refers their customers to you. Mm-hmm. You've got um, agencies who can do the core for on your behalf. They can run ads, they can post content, they can do outreach all for you because there are agencies who do all those things. And then you have employees. So like I didn't, I don't make my content. I have a team of people who make content for me. Mm-hmm. And so you can see how the first four things are the only things a human can do to let other people know about stuff, to advertise. Mm-hmm. The other four are the people you get from advertising who can then do the advertising on your behalf. Mm. And so the long-winded answer for like, how did I get 500,000 people there is that I purposefully took the 24 months leading up to that because once offers launched, everything was about leads. So I knew that, the audience didn't know that, but everything that I was doing was knowing that in 24 months I was gonna have my next book come out. Mm. And so I wanted to use every tactic or method in the book to advertise Mm. 
to advertise the book. Mm -hmm. So that's the whole meta concept. The first one was I had to make a meta offer. Like the book itself was an amazing offer. So good people feel stupid at saying no. And then $100 million leads, I wanted to get as many strangers to want to buy my stuff using warm outreach, cold outreach, uh, posting content, running paid ads, getting customer referrals, affiliates, agencies, and employees. So and the so I launch used... itself is validation of the book itself. Yes. Keep going. And so the thing that always grinds my gears, and I think what I've, I've strived really hard to do uh, with the content that I make, et cetera, is that I always want the proof to be undeniable. Mm -hmm. And so like I, I started the presentation for the book launch with this little picture of a book that says how to market a book. And it has 14 reviews on Amazon. And whoever wrote this book, I hope I, I'm not just like just destroying you. That's not my goal. Right. I blacked out the name. I don't know who it is. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't need to read the book. Because I already have evidence that the person doesn't know how to market a book. Because if they knew how to market a book, they wouldn't have 14 reviews. So like, I have real-world evidence that the contents of the book are irrelevant. Mm. And so I wanted to do the exact opposite of that, yeah. which is if you're going to have a book about advertising, it should be advertised better than anything. <laughs> and so that was exactly what I wanted to do, was mm. just lean really hard on that and purposefully use only the things that I have in the book. Mm -hmm. And so, which was actually kind of fun for me. So like when sure. we, when we scripted out the ads, I have an ad, ad creation framework that I just, I just used the framework that I introduced in the book only. Mm -hmm. And with the affiliates, I had the, the structure that I set up in the book, I used only. Mm -hmm. um, like I call it, talk about whisper tea shout, which is kind of like the method that you do to launch anything, or at least that I used to launch anything. Um, you know, like we used agencies when we didn't have to, because I wanted to have an agency run it so I could talk about that. Mm -hmm. And then obviously the team did all the content. And so we used all eight methods to promote the book. And then that is what resulted in, we had 137,000 people who came from paid ads. We had 104,000 people who came from affiliates. We had 27,000 affiliates sign up to promote the book launch. Mm -hmm. We had we had just under we had so, just sorry just over 200,000 people that came from content, um, and then we had what am I missing? And then referrals. The rest were referrals. Do you? By the way, everyone hearing this right now, it's amazing to me. Obviously, the detail of the book and all of that is one thing. The other thing is that how many people, all the concepts you just described to them, even if they were at the book launch, is still foreign to them, meaning they still look at business almost like a linear transaction. Mm -hmm. In other words, they're, this is a simple analogy. Look, here's how I got wealthy. I don't play checkers in business. I'm playing chess. I've got multiple moves that I'm already making in front of the other one that set up something else. Most people are like, I just got to get this client. And then once I get that, whew, I'll done. breathe out loud. And then I'm going to go through this arduous, grinding, debilitating, horrific, self-loathing process to get one more. Right? The power of one more. That's yeah, right? what Ed Milet says. Yeah, yeah. And do you agree with that, though? Does it still blow your mind how many people still don't get progressive marketing that stacks on top of one another? Funnel's a terrible word, but yeah. there's multiple funnels happening here, meaning you've got the affiliate funnel. You've mm -hmm. got the paid ad funnel, if you choose to do it that way. Yeah. You've got your content or client referral funnel. Yeah. But most people in their businesses, they're still, what you just did is so brilliant, it's like washing over them still, even of the half a million people that were there. You and I know this. It's they, they, they're picturing how business works fundamentally incorrectly. Would you agree with that? I think so. And I think part of it is, I would, so I would say it's more like a, like, at least from my perspective, like an incomplete picture. Um, mm -hmm. So they, they, see, they can usually, you can only see as far as like what's in front of you. And mm -hmm. so if you are barely making rent, you know what I mean? And you're barely making payroll, it's really difficult to think about brand. <laughs> you know what I, I know. mean? And so it doesn't make it less important though. Mm -hmm. But it's just really hard. And so, you know, 
for at least the, the prescription that I have in the book for advertising is pick one method. You can pick warm reach outs, you can pick cold reach outs, you can pick, you can pick making content, you can pick uh, running paid ads. And those are all the things that you can do. And I start there because most people reading anything in business are usually the ones doing it for mm-hmm. the most part. And so we start with the core four that a person can do. But of course, all four work better together. Yes. Now you can just do cold calls and you can you can build a business. Mm-hmm. You can just run paid ads, you can you can build a business. But if you do cold calls, run ads, and have content that people consume when they click your ad, they consume some content and then they complete the transaction. Mm. Or they you do a cold call, they they take the set call and between the set and the close, they go to your profile, they read some stuff, they watch a video too, and they're like, Oh, this guy's legit. Now, if you didn't have that, the likelihood that you close them would be way lower, but you would attribute the failed close to bad cold calling, mm-hmm. but you could have given the assist with brand, with content. Let me ask you a hard question. I bet I bet yeah. no one's asked this, and if they have, cool. <laughs> but I was thinking at your work, and it, like yeah. I was going through all of it last night again, and I was thinking, okay, I want to ask them the tough stuff, like the stuff yeah. no one's going to ask them in an interview. I want two entrepreneurs pushing one another to figure this out even yeah. together, okay? So what if the sales cycle of your product is different? Does that dictate which way you should go? So let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. I'm marketing a book that's a tangible product that sure. can be acquired instantaneously. Yeah. Let's switch it. Let's make it a hard one. I'm a realtor. Yeah. I'm in the mortgage business. Yeah. I'm in the insurance business. This sales cycle is a mm-hmm. little bit different. It's not necessarily A to B, bam, we've got a client. Yeah. Does that change your methodology and let's walk through a real world one. I'm a realtor. Yeah. Let's use the, what I think is maybe the hardest one to make the application fit on some cycles. Sure. Do you pick a lane, all of the lanes, and does that matter that the product isn't a consumable can of Coca-Cola or a bottle of water, but it's a transaction experience that you're going to have to go through in the mm-hmm. sales cycle? I don't think it would matter at all. Okay. So if we were to just let's fill in the fill in the boxes if we if we yep. will so like if you're a realtor warm outreach is going to be you, you reaching out to your friends and family saying do you know anybody who's interested in buying a house now mm-hmm. ideally you'd probably not start with that because that's what every realtor says mm-hmm. so it might be something like hey what's your dream home or something mm-hmm. like that and then you can start talking about something more interesting believe me I'm not in the real estate space so mm-hmm. hopefully there'd be a better hook but that would be the idea mm-hmm. cold reach outs is you're you're just dialing numbers that are close to you or cold emailing or you know. That is that is cold reach out. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're making content, you're talking about the houses that you're selling, and many realtors do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have paid ads, which also plenty of realtors either generate buyer or seller leads mm-hmm. that they call, and then they can help them sell their house. So either they list houses and they show these, you know, six or seven carousels of cool houses, mm-hmm. and they get buyers, mm-hmm. or uh, they talk about recent sales, and then and use them as case studies for like, here's the 17 mm-hmm. steps in the process we took. This house from the owner thought they could sell for 500, I sold it for 575, and this was the 60-day process we ran through. If that sounds interesting, I can walk you through what I would do for your house, whatever. Mm-hmm. So that would be the core four. But a good realtor should also have friends who are ancillary to the industry. So it might be uh, you know, lawn care people. It might be, uh, I know there's regulations around loans and kickbacks and things like that, mm-hmm. but like still cleaners, mm-hmm. anybody who does home services, you can still get referrals from them, which would be an affiliate, yep. right? Now, customer referrals is you sell the house and you ask them for friends, or before mm-hmm. you sell the house, you ask them for friends. Yep. Or sometimes they just do it on their own because they actually like you and you did a good job. That's right. From an agency perspective, you could hire agencies to do any of those things. And then if you have more, if you're if you're a bigger realtor and you have a team of people, then you can use your employees to do any of those things on your behalf. And so the core four and the four lead getters work independent of whatever business you have because they are simply the only ways that one human can tell other human about stuff. It's a fact. So let me give you an example. Yeah. I have several homes listed right now, just different things I'm doing. I'm just thinking through what you just said. One of the homes I have listed, they literally knocked on my door as a cold call. 
Yeah. And the fact that they did that, they make a lot of money too. I was like, this is my lady. Yeah. So that's one of them. The other one I have, an interior designer yeah. referred me, the realtor that is now listing my house. That not that interesting? Yeah. And the third one just literally had a digital footprint mm-hmm. that I saw their digital footprint, yeah. went to their brand, was validated by other significant properties they had sold, yeah. and they're listing that property. So what he just said, I just gave you in my own life validation of all three of those methods right there off the top that I'm currently using, currently in the MLS with three people <laughs> in that industry, exactly the way that he just described. But I wanted to push you to describe it first. Because oh, yeah. I, that's the theory. Here's why. I think you're this way, too. There's validation, and then I want to push the theory to the extreme most difficult measure to see whether it passes the taken-on-water test. Yeah. And that's what it does for me. Real quick, guys, you guys already know that I don't run any ads on this, and I don't sell anything. And so the only ask that I can ever have of you guys is that you help me spread the word so we can help more entrepreneurs make more money, feed their families, make better products, and have better experiences for their employees and customers. And the only way we do that is if you can rate and review and share this podcast. So the single thing that I ask you to do is you can just leave a review. It'll take you 10 seconds or one type of the thumb. It would mean the absolute world to me. And more importantly, it may change the world for someone else. Number one thing I want to ask you, someone's an entrepreneur, they're listening to this, and they are not getting enough leads in general. And they're they're literally thinking that what I'm going to do is I'm going to continue to do just posting stuff on my Instagram over and over again, and people are going to magically appear. If there's one step now I should take to change my tactic, first thing I should do, aside from get the book, get the book, would be what? So if I needed to make money tomorrow and I was that guy, it's the first of the core four in the book, which is warm outreach. And so what that means is I go through my email and I look at every single contact that I already have already in my email list. I open up my iPhone or my Android and I go down my contact list and I download that and I export it. And then I look at every one of my social media profiles. I've got 700 followers on Instagram. I've got you know 400 friends on Facebook. And I list out all the people into one Mondo Excel sheet. That is my first leads list. Yep. And I reach out to them and I open with something that has nothing to do with my profession, <laughs> mm-hmm. which usually has something to do with their life. And so Got I take it. the 30 seconds before I message everyone because you only have a fixed amount of people. And I would say, what's new in Sarah's life? Sarah just had a kid. Sarah just moved. Sarah just had a baby. Sarah just competed in a Tough Mudder, ter- whatever. Mm-hmm. And then that would be my opener. And then mm-hmm. at, then it's house things, mm-hmm. right? And then once you have house things, then you transition, you can you can move the conversation into whatever direction you want. If I'm selling fitness, I would say, oh, well, how do you have time to, you know, cook cook food and, and get in shape? If if it was, uh, you know, I was career coaching, I'd be like, how are you making time for work and your career goals? If I was talking about, if I was selling therapy, I would say like, how's your mental state with like crushing all these goals? But like, are you taking time for yourself? Like I could, you know what I mean? Like yes. I could sell anything from once I just know, once I have their attention and we use something that I call the ACA framework, which we learn from the gym world, but it works with anything. It's really just how to talk to a human being. But is acknowledge whatever they said, compliment them on a legitimate compliment, and then ask the next question. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people just don't know how to have a conversation. And so whenever someone says, you know, I, you know, I did the Tough mutter, I would say, it's so cool that you did the Tough mutter. compliment, which would then say something like, that's, <laughs> like, that's so tough of you. Um, I would, <laughs> you know, um, it's so cool that you take that time to to push yourself, yep. you must be that type of person. I would label them with something that I want to use later in the sale. And then, uh, so, and then the ask is, 
let me move the conversation forward, mm-hmm. right? And so that is, I then have my big list of every single contact that I have, mm-hmm. and I start with the open hook that's personalized to them, and then I move them through ACA, and then I set them up for a 10-minute qualification call of some sort to just to make sure that they like whatever it is. And then I would set up for a real conversation. So, And if you're curious, what does that 10-minute call look like? Yes. It's uh, So I use something called the Closer Framework. And it's not that this is the perfect way to sell. So it's just it's a, it's a simple uh, acronym that I use to organize sales scripts. And so C is clarify why they're there, right? Because they got on the phone for a reason or they decided to respond back to you for a reason. Mm-hmm. And so it's the first obstacle that comes up in any sale is someone says, I just wanted more information. Well, no, they didn't. They got there because they have a problem. Like you're not just hopping on phone calls for information all day. Of course you're not, right? Like you can make that joke if you want to. <laughs> really good. Right, and it's like, well, what? Because then you just clarify, like, what problem do you want to solve? Like mm-hmm. six months from now, what do you want to have happen? And then, mm-hmm. then the person's like, well, I, you know, I'm, I can't fit in my jeans anymore. And you're like, right, boom, mm-hmm. I've clarified where they're there. Then you restate it with L, label them with a problem. Mm-hmm. So to be clear, you're not the weight you want to be. You're currently how much? Two hundred pounds. What would you like to be? My high school weight. What's that? One thirty. Got it. Gap. Okay, cool. So then we go C L. Now we go to O. So this is the closer framework. O is overview their past experiences. This is what I call the pain cycle. So you say, what have you tried so far? How did that work for you? What did you like? What did you not like? Whenever they say the things that they like, you mental note of that so that when you present your solution, you're going to talk about and tie the things that they liked about it. part of their buying map. Uh huh. Yeah. And then the pain part is where they're like, oh, this was terrible. It was too hard to follow. Mm-hmm. They didn't pay attention to me. No one followed up, blah, blah, blah. And so then it's like, well, what else have you tried? And so we just keep doing until we've exhausted all the pain. And whenever you bring up past experiences, it always aggravates and increases in importance. So like in, in the political world, whatever the news cycle is on, people will say is the most important issue of the election. And it's really just whatever the media chooses to, whatever piano key they want to play on yep. everyone's emotions that month. But it works the same way on a micro level on a sale. So whatever you're talking about in the pain cycle is going to be the thing that they now think is more important. Maybe my health is more important. Maybe my the clean, cleanliness of my house is more Maybe I do need insurance, like whatever mm-hmm. it is, right? Um, and so in a set call, we stop there. So you basically go clarify, label, overview the past experiences. They're in the middle of pain, and you're like, I think I can totally help you. I don't have time right now. Let's put a much longer, because this is like a cold, like basically yep. it's a set call. Yep. Now, if someone has, if if you're if you're selling a smaller ticket thing, then you can go cradle to grave, mm-hmm. right? You can go to click to close if you want to. But if you're selling yep. an insurance product, you're yep. trying to buy, you know, get them to do a house or do mm-hmm. a, a longer sale, then cool, then let me put some stuff together for yep. you so I can give you a much more informed answer, but I think we can really help you. Can I ask you a question before yeah. you do that? Do you get any commitment from them? Like if there's, if I can end up helping you, are you open to me solving the solution for you or do you not get any hook close at that point? Yeah, we call it the integrity tie down. Yeah. So yeah, we, yeah. Um, yes, we okay. have, uh, we have this big checklist that we call the, the lead nurture checklist, but it's like 17 things that mm-hmm. we that we do whatever, like we take on a portfolio company. Um, we always look at their show rates on appointments and mm-hmm. we can usually take all show rates, even in the coldest prospects to 85%. Yep. But it's it's li- like, everyone's like, what's the one, there isn't one thing. Mm-hmm. You have to do like 17 things that each bump you by five to 7%. Yeah, but I like it. So you're gonna ext- end the conversation yeah. there with some probably minor commitment totally. calls that if you can solve the problem, they're gonna move forward when you get back together. 100%. Okay. And so then <clears throat> when we go to the second call, we still go through CLO again. And you'd be yep. like, again? And you're yep. like, sure will. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and you just dive a little bit deeper into all of them. And then you go SER. So S is sell the vacation. And I use this acronym, uh, this moniker, because I say you wanna sell the vacation, not the plane flight. And so a lot of people, when they when they wanna sell stuff, they talk about, the widgets, right? They talk about TSA. They talk about checking their bag and taking their shoes off and who they're going to sit next to on the plane and the seat and how long the flight's going to be and the modules and the services and whatever. But people just want Maui. Yes. And so you should be describing the beach and the ocean and what they're going to experience the moment they get into the hotel room, 
right? And they can open up the, the curtains and they look out the window. Like that's what we should be describing, not how they're going to get there. So you sell the vacation and then ER is explaining with their concerns. So once you sell the vacation, that's when you make the ask. Mm -hmm. And then ER is, okay, if they don't say yes immediately, totally reasonable. Most people don't. Mm -hmm. uh, expect no. <laughs> yep. but train for no, because that's where you make the money. Um, and then we explain away their concerns. And so, you know, for, for us, I, I train on three major obstacles, which is they, they correspond to the distortions of reality um, from uh, Dr. Albert Ellis. Yeah. And so you've got people who are upset at the universe, so circumstances. You, that's on the outer, outermost mm -hmm. layer. And then the next level underneath, and this is like an onion. So if someone says no and they say time, money, this isn't the perfect fit for me, all of those are circumstantial. Mm -hmm. And that's the easiest thing to say, and that's the first thing people say when they say no. The second level underneath of that is other people. So first people are, are upset and distorted about the universe. Everything's unfair, nothing goes my way. The next level is because of insert person, blame finger goes out, my kids, my husband, my coworkers, my mom, whatever it is, won't let me do this thing. And so they put all the power on the other person. And so we have to break that apart and get somebody who's in power who can actually make a decision. Mm -hmm. And usually I am a big believer in sales being an actual empowerment conversation. Because if you're talking to an empowered decision maker who's informed, that's the only person you want to talk to. Right. And I believe a well-structured sales conversation can increase the number of people who are that person. Agreed. And so uh, the final layer, the deepest one, um, is, is themselves. Right. And so they they have their own fears that they have to overcome mm -hmm. um, and doubts about what's going to happen. And so we work through those those layers uh, until we eventually have a person who has now made a decision. And yeah. so when we can do that, I'm a big believer in like trying get yes and no, not not to be not to be like hard closing, mm -hmm. but just so that if someone doesn't give a decision, then we want to walk them through how they make decisions mm -hmm. so that they can make a decision about your product. Mm -hmm. And so. As we're going through, so that's that was basically just like the explain away concerns, and then finally R is that the person says yes, mm -hmm. and you reinforce the decision. Okay. And so a certain percentage of sales, especially in high high volume transactional sales organizations, people back out, they get cold feet, yes. etc. And so what we try and do is the moment someone closes, we want the next twenty four hours to be unbelievably choreographed. Okay. And so like and we're talking immediate. So mm -hmm. the moment they sign or the moment the credit card goes through, they get a text from the onboarding person or we do a warm handoff like, hey, this is Shirley. Shirley's going to be taken from here, like I said earlier. Mm -hmm. And so what we want to always do is set expectations, meet expectations, set expectations, meet expectations. And I have changed my tune about this. I used to always say over deliver. But I've, I've come to the point now where I, I genuinely believe that if you just keep your word, you nailed it. they will trust you more. And mm -hmm. ideally, and this is a little hack for everyone, if you're any any type of services business, let's say you're an agency that does mm -hmm. SEO, whatever, and it takes you 14 days to on-ramp somebody. Mm -hmm. Rather than saying we're going to touch in every week, mm -hmm. right, which would be fine and that's what most people do. In that week, you probably do like 25 things, mm -hmm. right? But you're going to have one meeting. If you want to be really clever, every day, send an email that says, hey, no need for reply. Just want to let you know we did these three things. We'll recap at the end of the week, but I just want to let you know where we're at. If you send progress reports every day, what happens is you create multiple reinforcement cycles. And so you're setting and completing, setting and completing. And so at day seven, when normally your competitor has only talked to them, this is the first time they talked to them since the sale, you had a warm handoff and they've received communication from you every single day. So this is like the eighth touch point Correct. for them. And now their trust in you is so much higher, which then translates to way lower backouts, uh, way higher ascensions into whatever your next uh, revenue thing is or the next product or expansion revenue. And more referrals and testimonials. 
And so we try and choreograph that process, and that's the R. And so close your framework, clarify whether they're there, label them with a problem that you can solve, overview their past experiences, the pain cycle, sell the vacation, not the plane flight, explaining where their concerns, and then reinforce the decision. Okay, a lot to unpack there. Yes. Okay, so hang on. First <laughs> off, this is one of those notes, a segment on the show. Yeah. Re- rewind it and go listen to it again. Yeah. Yeah. Go rewind seven minutes back or whatever that was and listen to it again because there's genius in there. I just want to unpack a couple of the things. Most of you make the mistake in whatever it is that you're doing, even doing it with your kids. You're, you are selling the plane flight. You're selling the process. You're selling the steps yeah. as opposed to the beach. That's a biggie. Number two, this, this notion of the 24 hours post. I cannot get over how many people think the sale just got closed. I'm done. Yeah. I cannot get over it. Number one, you're probably going to lose the sale. Number two, you're definitely diminishing the amount of leads you're going to generate from it. I just did a very significant transaction with somebody. I had a very laid out process in my company. It's a very major exit type decision okay. for somebody. Okay. I told my team. The second we hang up this phone, he is going to begin to doubt this decision. If he's an airplane, he's freaking losing altitude. We need to be doing X, Y, and Z. But it's already a predetermined process. I was just taking them back through reminding them why. Some of the businesses you have, it is just a 24-hour process. Some of you, to your other point, it's a week or eight or ten days and whatever it might be. Sure enough... What was supposed to happen the next morning didn't. (laughs) By midday, we were behind. Then he messages us with a question, which we replied to. Then he messaged with another one. When the second question came in, I messaged the entire team. This deal's over. Yeah, We're losing this deal. No, 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 we can get it back. We've lost the deal. He has switched. He's got downward momentum, and it's our fault. Sure enough, massive, like close to nine-figure mistake. That was a process that was involved. Some of you are making a $800 mistake yeah. when this happens. Let me ask you a hard question because this is something I've done in my career. It's not process-driven, but it's important. You went through this process. Sometimes I think that somewhere in that flow, tell me if intuition works or you just stick yeah. to the process. Somewhere in that flow before you get to close, I've had the intuition, you know, this person's ready right now. Mm-hmm. I can go to this step. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily something that's able to teach on scale. Do you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I've also watched a lot of people go, you have them here, mm-hmm. and now you're beginning to layer objections in it, and it's taking longer than their tolerance right. level is. I see a lot of people, especially the longer they're in Unselling sales, them. they unsell them. They give yeah. them more. Let me tell you one more thing. One yeah. other thing you should know. One other thing. Yeah. By the way, my checklist says step four is I then yeah. do this. Do you? Because scaling this isn't as easy as, yeah. but I also know the real world. Yeah. Should someone still have sensory acuity when they're in the process and go, we're ready now? So the way that we train sales um, is that, one, we start, you might love this. Okay. So we try and think back to front, which is if someone, a lot of people train rapport building first. They train the script top to bottom. Mm-hmm. But if someone knows how to do the first half of the script and they don't know the second half of the script, the likelihood that they can close is zero. Yes. If you train <laughs> people true. from the back of the script to the front of the script, if someone doesn't have rapport and they don't know the opening questions, but they know how to close, the likelihood they could close is greater than zero. 100%. And so, 100%. And so for us, my belief from a selling perspective is that if, if you follow the closer, right, clarify why they're there, all we're doing is asking questions. Mm-hmm. Labeling them is just asking for agreement on mm-hmm. one statement that mm-hmm. they have the problem. Overviewing past experience is just questions. Mm-hmm. We haven't said anything else. We're just asking questions. Mm-hmm. And then the only time you actually make a statement is when you sell the vacation. And then after that, you ask. And so for us, we the E only comes out after they've said no. And so we Got it. we explain it through uh, obstacles it. and objections. And so objections, as I see them, come up after 
the ask. Mm-hmm. Obstacles come up before the ask. Mm-hmm. And so if someone says, I'm just here for more information, that's an obstacle. So we want ha- we handle that up front. Mm-hmm. If, you know, like and up front again, it's like, is there any other decision makers that need to be on the call? And we mm-hmm. ask for that in the nurture process before we're on the call. And we'll reaffirm that at the beginning because if they say no mm-hmm. or yes, I do need someone, then like, cool, let's just reschedule. There's no point in going through this. Objections happen, which is universe, like time, money, yep. fit. Uh, I need the other decision maker, or I don't know how to make a decision, which is the personal thing, the doubt part. Mm-hmm. And so then we walk them through making the decision-making process. Mm-hmm. But each one of those, we always loop back. So they give us the thing, we overcome it, and we say, great, so now you're ready? Or mm-hmm. makes sense, fair enough, Let's ready to move forward? Do you have your idea on you? Whatever the closing question is. Mm-hmm. And so that way, as soon as someone says yes, that is when we stop selling. So that's the big, to your point of, yeah, uh, of the stop. unselling is because people then get like really excited. It's like, dude, take the credit card. Exactly. Like, as soon as they say yes, great. What card do you want to use? Yeah. By the way, I know my audience is like, dude, this is hardcore today, which is oh, exactly, sorry. no, no, no. This is exactly <laughs> what you bring to the table. And it's actually the stuff like, you know, look, it'd be great. We could do another episode today if you want. Like, hey guys, you know, be positive. Positive manifestation. Right? Like we could do yeah. that or we can actually give you teeth. 